0: Welcome to our podcast, Transparently Speaking. I am Diana and I have a son who transitioned at a young age to become his true self.
1: And I am Joy. I have also supported my daughter to transition at an early age. We are here to share our experience and our learning along this journey.
0: We want to provide support and guidance parent to parent. And if you find yourself on a similar journey, we want you to know that you are not alone.
1: So let's dive in, Transparently Speaking. Wanted to talk about how you approach
0: school when you your child has just transitioned and they're going to go to school as their new self. And I know some parts of the country have already started school for the year and others have not. So um, but I thought either way it'd be a good time to get started. So Joy, I wanted to start with you. What was it like when you first got Samantha ready to start school as Samantha?
1: Yeah, I remember this being a really stressful <laughs> set of events in terms of preparing for this because um, it was just over the summer and sort of the prior year she was wrapping up her 4K program. And in the spring, it was like the last couple of weeks we had allowed her to wear dresses to school um, and really start sort of showing up as her as her true self. And we continued that journey throughout the summer. And I knew I wanted to make sure to set her up for success in the fall where she was going to be starting her kindergarten program. I remember reaching out to the principal. We set up a meeting. I didn't have a really clear agenda at that point. I just kind of was like, hey, here's the situation. I want to make sure my child is supported. And pretty immediately, it became evident that the principal didn't know how to handle this or (laughs) how to be supportive, but had an interest in being supportive. And so said, Hey, let's schedule time. I want to include the school superintendent into this discussion. And honestly, I remember, I think, um, Diana coming back and saying, oh my gosh, Diana, what do I, like, now we're looping in the superintendent. What are all the things I need to be thinking about? And your guidance at the time was helpful. Uh, and so what I remember about that next conversation with the school superintendent was him really helping to kind of drive the conversation about saying, hey, we can support you, obviously, in your child. And let's get really clear on kind of how things are going to work. <laughs> um, and I specifically remember the bathrooms being a real hot topic in that particular discussion, my request was Samantha identifies as a girl. She wants to use the girl's bathroom, right? Like how do we make that happen from the school superintendent's perspective? Yes, we can accommodate that. And if she's using the girl's bathroom, she needs to use the bathroom the way other girls use the bathroom. Meaning, she needs to be sitting with her toes pointed towards the door, Oh, okay. right? She needs to be sitting, which means her toes are pointed towards the door when she's using the bathroom. And interestingly, he said, girls use toilet paper after they use the bathroom. So she should probably exhibit that behavior as well. And I was surprised. I was like, okay, that seems totally random. But, um, and I think his point was, you know, if someone, if she didn't flush or were to go in there, that it might be weird or obvious, (laughs) that I don't know, it was really interesting. Um, But it made me just think about, you know, kind of social expectations or how this all relates. And I totally get the whole, you know, probably up until that point, she had been standing, you know, facing the toilet um, to urinate, as most humans with a penis would do. And so I think that was a behavior that was good to recognize. Honestly, I don't even think I thought about it. And so him being really clear kind of on those expectations was helpful for me. Um, Justin, again, being aware of all the maybe minor differences that we might not think about as we (laughs) progress through this phase of social transitioning and, and sort of learning or living into some set of norms. Right.
0: So interesting because like, I don't know if people use toilet paper or not. I notice that they wash their hands, but I don't know about the <laughs> toilet paper. And I don't know if I see a toilet without toilet paper that's not flushed, I sometimes wonder if they try to flush it, you know, the toilet paper moves anyway. So interesting what people think about. Well, you know, I think the first part of your story about just kind of going in and um not being totally prepared is so common and um when I hear about people transitioning and school starting, I have reached out and been like, Hey, have you talked to your school yet? So this is something I think I highly recommend have a meeting with the school before school begins. If the transition is over the summer, obviously if it's during the school year, then you make an appointment when you can. And I always think it's important to go there with a plan of like, what are your concerns? What, what are the things that you want to make sure happen for your child? And I always recommend starting with talking to your child about that. I have some general categories, but I think that you have to talk to your child about it. So for me with Clark, Clark was going into second grade. And and, and I've done this five times. (laughs) I've had to talk to five different schools um, now between uh, Clark and Dinah and the different levels of school and changing districts. And we've done... Uh, non-disclosed for Clark and new districts and um, but the original story at second grade. Um, and just to give a a time preference, like this was two thousand and thirteen as far as the presidential administration makes the difference and and what was going on in time. So the main category are to me names, bathrooms, and facilities, how they address misgendering and disclosure. So I started out by talking to Clark before I met with the principal about these things ahead of time. So I was like, Clark, you know, you're going to start school. What name do you want them to use? And he said, Clark, okay. Just want to make sure. His transition had only been about a month. So I said, and what pronouns do you want them to use at school? He, him, his. Okay. like, because I said, I'm going to talk to the principal. These are the things you want. Okay. And I said, what bathroom do you want to use? He said, I want to use the boys bathroom. And I will be very honest. Back in 2013, there wasn't a lot on the news or stories or other stories. And I was really concerned about that at the time. I thought that's the one place adults usually aren't is the bathroom. There's one in one door to get in and out. So, you know, as far as feeling trapped, Um, but that is what he very clearly wanted, even though to be very transparent, I did not want that (laughs) because I was worried for his safety. Um, but that's why you have the conversation. The third thing for disclosure, I said, who do you think should know in the school? And for that at second grade, you know, he wasn't that one. He didn't really know at that time. He had opinions when it came to going to middle school in high school, like everything beyond that. But I think because he was transitioning in the school, he was already there. He didn't have, and he was seven years old. I don't think he had strong opinions.
1: Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that, Diana, is I think in my journey, I wasn't, you know, at this point of feeling like I'm yet partnering with my child. So in terms of understanding what Samantha wanted, or I felt like I was still really driving the ship and, you know, for better or for worse, um, you know, in our communications and her expectations or the way she wanted to show up as her true self was very clear, you know, that she was a girl and we started using the she, her pronouns, but that wasn't necessarily a conversation and neither was, you know, sort of who should know. I remember feeling kind of a lot of pressure personally of how do I make some of these decisions and going in kind of just with this belief or assumption that there wasn't even a place to ask my child or that my child wouldn't have an opinion about it. And so I think that's really interesting and really helpful. I think for a lot of parents, it probably does make a ton of sense to engage with your child and ask right. what they want and start engaging them building their own competence around the space and building their own space for boundaries and learning to define for themselves and advocate for themselves what they want. So I think that's really powerful.
0: I think so. And I think it's real common, you know, not to talk to the child about it, especially the younger they are, um, with that thought of, you know, well they know and it's our responsibility to know the world and things like that. But I've always felt that they they have an experience in the world that they know about and yes i know more but i that's where i think their input because i don't know the world through their eyes Mm -hmm. that i always encourage parents and i I, and i do find like um, many parents may not even consider it or think about it because they just want to protect they just want to be in a bubble but i also approached it as one day i will not be leading the ship I will not be the one advocating. I will not be the one disclosing. I will not be the one walking in that he will. So I wanted him to be part of the process in some way. I didn't want him coming to the meeting. I didn't want him hearing everything um, because I didn't know what would be heard. (laughs) Ended up nothing bad, but I didn't know what
1: would be heard. Right. Or what would be discussed, Stephen.
0: Yes, exactly. But I wanted him to kind of get the thought process. Okay, before I go to a meeting, here's what I'm thinking about. You know, and I would give him the summaries of the meetings, too of, okay, this is what was discussed and here's some of the feedback. And, you know, maybe if there was a negative experience, instead of being really negative about it, just saying like, there was a question about this or somebody had this view and here's what I said to try to start creating a toolbox for him for when it's, it's his turn.
1: To yeah. Do I think that's super, super powerful. Okay. So I really like how Diana, you were coming up with kind of the key things that you're encouraging right. people to kind of go in with. And I believe that's sort of how you supported me as I was going through this process too. And I think the first one at uh, Propose we dive into is the sort of names and pronouns. And right. so it's one thing to kind of go in with a request of, Hey, my child wants to be, you know, known and referred to by this name. It's one thing to, again, have this social conversation and ensure their support. It's another thing to recognize that in the school system, there is a technology solution they use to be managing this data and this information. Right.
0: Right. And, you know, at the time that Clark transitioned, there was still not all electronic. So which was to our advantage um, because Clark didn't have a legal name change. so you have to give the birth certificate and, and it was the same school he'd been in. So they had his birth name already on there. And luckily the principal was such a huge advocate that when I came in and explained it and said, this is the name, how is it going to show up on your roll sheet, which was still paper, (laughs) not computerized at the time, how is this going to show up? But the pre-printed stickers they put on every envelope for packet pickup, things like that. They figured it out right away. It was always last name, then first name. So they put Clark and then in parentheses, his birth name, and then they would rip that part of the sticker off. And so it just showed
1: up as, oh, that's a really savvy solution because I was thinking back, you know, to, it was in 2015, I think two years, one or two years after um, you and Clark and in our school system, everything was formalized in the technology and in our state right it was like linked back you know to all these other records and i'm not going to claim to understand all that but it really was this conversation of hey where do i need to be concerned about that birth or dead name showing up because right that will be devastating to my child so how do we navigate and manage that And I remember that being a real challenge. To your point, we didn't have, you know, we weren't at the point in our journey yet to have gone through any kind of legal name change. So it was a request in order to ask the school, hey, how do we make sure this doesn't happen? Because they were very adamant, hey, we can't change it in our systems until it's illegal, change. And that was a challenge, because we were concerned about, hey, if there's a substitute teacher who comes in, right, who hasn't been part of these conversations, you know, that's going to just show up, how do we manage that? So that was something we were really nervous about. Um, and honestly, I think that first year, somehow we kind of just navigated through it. I don't remember Samantha saying that there were any issues or that it came up, um, but I do remember the second year as I was engaging the school psychologist was new. And I remember reaching out to that school psychologist and that person was our huge advocate and has been ever since. And she actually, independent of kind of what the rules were, she went into the system and made that change, even though we didn't have a legal name change. <laughs> So we kind of lucked out in that space, but that was a huge relief, you know, for me is now knowing, Hey, at least the systems have this. We don't have to worry about these odd hiccups that might show up as a result of some of the systems.
0: Right. And, you know, there are strategies that people have used to like, you put in their name, their preferred name. I like their name. And then you take out the dead name. And then you have the one person in charge, especially if the person's non-disclosed, like the principal in charge, that when they send it to state or however, I agree with you, I don't know how this all works. That's the big concern. We have to have the legal name for reporting, blah, blah, blah. You just change it at that point. So some schools have done that. Sometimes you can call, like people use Skyward or Infinite Campus or whatever that base is. People have called infinite campus or skyward and said, Hey, can we have another window for name? Um, You know, but that even goes for like nickname or, you know, what people want to be called. And then it's just a coding issue that you print up your rosters. You print up like what is shown you code that name that people use and you don't have to show the other one, but then it's still in your system for Uh, sending it through. So there are strategies and it's just sitting down and talking and getting creative, but it's been done before. So no one needs to blaze a new path. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I think what's really beneficial there is knowing that you can make that request or our recommendation is to make that request, right? It's going to be something very important to to you and your child um, and know that it's not a crazy request. It's not unreasonable. Right.
0: So the next thing was like bathroom and facilities. And so, like I said, I had hesitation. So when I sat down with the principal, I said, Clark wants to use the boy's bathroom. And I'm worried. And I gave the reasons I gave earlier. And he looked at me and he said, Diana, if he's a boy and wants to use the boy's bathroom, then he needs to be treated like a boy and use the boy's bathroom. So that was really refreshing. And then he added on. A safety measure known for everybody is like when you're talking to children about predators, having a buddy system. So things are less likely to happen if there's somebody else there to witness. So encouraging Clark to and telling the teachers when Clark goes to the bathroom, if someone else needs to go, like giving him a buddy to go. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes they don't want kids to go to the bathroom together. They're worried about shenanigans. right? Right but that
1: was really good advice.
0: To clarify, Dana,
1: the, so the good advice is maybe to consider an option to have your child bring a, a buddy with them to the bathroom to just know, again, that there's someone else there. So anything unintentional or something that might head into a non-safe space or... Um, Like, what types of things are we talking about? Somebody just like opening the door of a stall or pushing a curtain aside or what kind of things are.
0: Good question. Um, they were even saying like kids teasing, picking on each other, um, you know, any kind of physical stuff. It's less likely to happen with witnesses around. Mm -hmm. But I will say, as you know, as Clark got older, that was not something he wanted. (laughs) I <laughs> not want a buddy system right at all, but in that younger age um he did. The other thing I think is important to know about bathrooms and facilities is what do they look like? Do they have doors on them? How many stalls are there? How do well, and what is the bathroom procedure for that grade? Like when are they allowed to go? How are they allowed to go? Things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think when you also mentioned facilities, I think immediately of a concern that popped into my head well before it became a real concern or any version of reality is the concept of locker rooms right? and the concept of showers, like at what age, you know, for that, your school or sporting events or whatever, like at what age do children start to shower? And then thinking about that whole set of scenarios in terms of- right what needs to happen, how can it happen in a safe way, right? What do we need to be doing to support our children? Um, my you know, daughter Samantha right now is heading into sixth grade. So it's gonna be a, it's a middle school. And I'm just now, as we're talking about this, realizing I probably haven't done all my due diligence and have some work to do and making sure I understand expectations, right, for gym class and things like that in terms of, hey, do they need to be changing? You know, where do they change? Um, is there a bathroom nearby where Samantha could go into a bathroom stall to change? And I think the other thing I've been relieved to learn is apparently for most kids, like nobody likes to change in front of each other. I remember as a kid, like we were all just naked in front of each other, like in showers, honestly, or, you know, changing for sporting events or things like that. And it sounds like that's maybe a little less common um, or different than the experience I had. So it sounds like most kids do um, want additional privacy and often go into, you know, a bathroom stall in order to change clothes or do something like that. What is, what is your insider experience on that, Diana?
0: Well, I didn't have your experience. I was halfway in my locker changing when I was a kid, but (laughs) for for Clark, um, it wasn't until middle school, there are no more mandated showers. So that's less of an issue. When you talk about like, is there a neutral facility to change in our single stall? That's fine if a student wants that, but that should be open to all students because there are lots of students, as you mentioned, that don't feel comfortable changing in front of others. I have a nephew that when he was in middle school, because of his weight, he didn't like to change in front of others and he would go into the bathroom stall. Um, But what ended up happening for Clark is he never used those changing stalls. because He felt like it took too long. He just faced the lockers and, and they did have the kids purposefully to prevent shenanigans spaced out per class where their lockers were but just face the locker and change because they don't take their underwear off they mm-hmm. just change their clothes
1: mm-hmm. so diana the other topic you had was about how the school might address misgendering mm-hmm. the biggest
0: thing with misgendering is understanding the effect it has on the transgender students that when they're not seeing for their true selves that it affects them because then their focus on is trying to be seen for their true self rather than their academics, their education, their socializing. And I say this because many times there are accidents. If like you accidentally, especially if the student is in the same school they were in prior to transition, you will accidentally use the wrong pronouns. And I remember one time a PE teacher after Clark transitioned said, to me well he's been really sensitive because I've accidentally said she a few times in front of the whole class I was furious calling him sensitive was disregarding how embarrassing it was for him how upsetting it was for him to not be seen what I would rather hear is instead of Clark which is what this PE teacher was kind of saying trying to be expected to show understanding for the mistakes is that PE teacher having understanding for the impact. So I don't think that we should punish, but there's got to be an education point. And instead of leaning towards the comfort of the person made the mistake, let's lean towards the comfort of the transgender student. Of This is really important. We have to do this because none of us want to be called the wrong name. None of us want to be, uh, have the wrong pronouns used mm-hmm. so I think that's the critical issue and then how are they going to address teasing and there are lots of great resources like WelcomingSchools.org, pages on like how to respond to students that tease in different ways or make different comments and I think there's some in schools in transition too which is a standards of practice on gender for
1: schools and we'll link those in the show notes for anyone that wants to read them. You know, as I was going through this process, I don't think I had made any requests or add any questions about how the school was going to handle it. For the misgendering? Yeah. Any other tips or tricks you would add there, Diana?
0: No, I think one thing the principal and I came up with was more name tags than they normally would use and for longer, because I think they used to use name tags for like day one. We had them use it for like the first week or two. This was when Clark first transitioned um, just to have that visual cue
1: mm-hmm. for the students that knew him otherwise. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful. Okay, so the disclosure topic.
0: Like I said, talk to your child about who you want to know. We're going to dive into it um, for time constraints. We're going to dive into it in the second school episode. The biggest thing I can talk about is FERPA, which is the Family Education Rights Privacy Act, which is kind of the HIPAA of education, which means they cannot share information about a student to any teacher or anybody else without permission, unless it's for the sake of their education. And most attorneys in this lane will say gender identity, it's really hard to justify that it's necessary to share.
1: Okay. Um, so, there is legal support in yeah. terms of us trying to remind the school yes. this is information that doesn't need to be shared, and let's be really conscious about who does know and who can or should be talking about it.
0: Right. Well, I try to approach it not in a threatening way. So, I say, you know, we're asking you not to tell these people, whoever we decided, and say, and if they ever find out later and get upset, you can put the responsibility on us because we're familiar with FERPA and based on FERPA can't really justify telling them it's not important for you know Clark's education. So like using it that way, here's why. <laughs> Blame it on me, but also letting them know I'm fully aware
1: of the law. Yeah. And hopefully it doesn't get to that point of legal concern. All right. Thank you so much, Diana. This was super fantastic as everybody's heading into school, wishing everybody well. And we will say more soon. Have a great day. That's a wrap on this episode of Transparently Speaking. Thanks for joining us today. Join us again on the 1st and 15th of every month for our next podcast.
0: Thank you to Filter for our awesome music. That's P-H-I-L-T-Y-R. Check them out at Apple Music, YouTube Music, Spotify, or anywhere you download music. As a reminder, we welcome your feedback and questions. Email us anytime at podcast at gmail.com.
1: If you're taking something away from our podcast, we'd appreciate if you'd take a moment to provide us a review. The more listeners and reviews, the more people we can reach and support. Thanks in advance. Cheers from Joy and Diana.